Skunk it. I don't know why. <laughs> Maximum overdrive. Oh, you're rocking the whole table with the, the passion that you're writing. Look at that, buddy. Look at that. Oh, yeah. That's good handwriting. At the top. The top Mama, Mama raised me good. You've done, not done a very good job of stabilizing the table. The pen's still trying to roll off. <laughs> hey, job, it's man. not your solid desk. Yeah, it's not my fucking... Because we're recording in your flat today. Yeah. Location change. Not that that'll make a difference to anyone who's watching. Uh, listening? listening? Not that that'll make a difference to anyone who's listening. Unless no. this makes the audio sound terrible. It turns out there's a, a really high dog whistle that goes <laughs> on 24 7 in this place. The mic picks it up, but we've never heard it. Uh, I feel a bit sort of. Because everything's different now wobbly table you're in the spinny chair i'm in a chair that feels like it may fall apart at any second um, hopefully live on it i am quite new well i'd rather that i'd rather it didn't i'm gonna just close off closer but yeah new location this will be the first and last time we ever record uh, here not out of spite no just that you're moving i'm moving and i'm moving soon um, as well yeah so we're gonna need to have some kind of party for <laughs> like some kind of second opinion party yeah what if we just record an episode of us two having a party? Just a... We should do a drunk episode. Would that be the best time to do it? That could be fun. Yeah, we could do a drunk episode. Yeah. That can be the next one then. Let's do that. Yeah? What do we... Yeah. Maybe not next week, but next time. Like, Let's talk about, next we'll talk about drinking buddies. So that's a film about drinking. drinking. Or we could talk about leaving Las Vegas. Because <laughs> that's a film about drinking a lot. A lot. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we could. And that could be our second opinion... Uh, we're changing location but that doesn't make much difference to the listener anyway party well we're going to move to a nice quiet area which would be fun what I like about this both of us is that you what I like about recording in here is that we don't have to sit in the cramped bedroom yeah we've got so a little that space you can't yeah we can just sit in your living room and that when we when I move to my new flat we're going to be able to do that as well we'll just be able to hang out in the living room and not cram into a tiny bedroom aye uh, so that you can't hear cars but we've recorded in the living room before. It doesn't really make that much of a difference, no, to be honest. No. But professionalism, we like to try and have some semblance of it. Aye. That's why I will always refer to it as the studio, no matter where we are. The, stu- the studio. <laughs> and we should start referring to Carson, uh, who's our like sound mixer or something. Or yeah, whatever. we should start having a fake <laughs> name that we just say. Uh, Tim, could you edit that out? Uh, Carson. <laughs> Carson? Tim Carson. Tim Carson. Aye. Okay. He's uh he doesn't he's like one of the few people that's like here but doesn't actually listen to the podcast. He's he doesn't listen to the podcast in most of the world. He's just sort of he's there. He's on his iPhone. He's looking up stuff. He's looking at his Facebook, texting his um wife. He goes, I'm sorry, I might be late. They're barbing on a bit. I reckon that's that's Tim Carson. Carson, can you edit this out? Yeah, Carson. Carson, could you add in maybe a sound effect here? Maybe like a sort of like a penny whistle or something like that. That would be fun. Now I'm going to have to write down that I want a penny whistle. Carson, edit that bit out where I acknowledge the fact that it's still me editing. Thanks, Carson. <laughs> What's up, people of Peopleton? Welcome to Second Opinion Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Jones, and Truckosaurus himself, Scott Morrison. Truckosaurus? I know. Uh, I'm a very old man today, um, mostly because I'm wearing a bonnet, but also because my back is very sore. 
It's very, very sore. I don't know why. I woke up this morning in a great deal of pain. And I can't get comfy no matter how I sit. It just hurts. So, if throughout the episode you hear any sort of... Ah, no! Might be a lot of fidgeting. That is <laughs> not me bludgeoning Carson to death. Uh, <laughs> That's just me in agony. Because for some reason my back... just It just hurts a whole lot. I spent most of the afternoon watching that film on the floor. <laughs> lying on, floor. on my back on the floor. Because uh, I was in so much pain. Yeah. I've just taken a whole bunch of painkillers and stuff. So hopefully that'll help. I might get a bit loopy. But... <laughs> Have no, I took the reasonable amount. Aye. Took what it said on the box. Aye. It's all good. I just forgot when I took the last one, so I might <laughs> I might be a bit over the over the limit, but we'll find we'll It find. said two boxes every four hours. I'll tell you who else was over the limit, mate. Oh. This is a good segue. Oh, it's a good set. Oh, it's a fantastic. Stephen set. King. <laughs> yes, Stephen King. Well, to you'll know by the title, um, if you're listening to this podcast, but we just finished watching uh, Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive. Overdrive Maximum. What a... What a romp that was. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to watch it because I had heard that Stephen King doesn't remember a whole lot about making it. <laughs> because he was on so much coke and drinking so much booze that it's kind of all just a blur. It's a... Is it, did you feel it was noticeable? Um... No, not really. I felt, for the most part, it strung together pretty well. Aye. It wasn't. I could still feel the. I feel you could still comprehend that more than Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I don't think that the cast and crew of Suicide Squad were drunk on high and high all the time. No. So kudos to him for that. Aye. That being said, that's a bad movie. I. That's not a good one. Maximum Drive's not a good movie. <laughs> Do you want to? relay the plot as best you can the plot is uh earth we're in earth uh and we're in it yeah we're 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 on earth a meteor's uh shooting by and we're going to be stuck in its tail for about seven days and it turns out that meteor can take over machines some machines it can take over machines it kind of it seems like they run out of creativity pretty quickly because at first there's what there's sprinklers Turning on and off. Ooh. Ooh. There's an electric. There's a like an electric turkey well, the first, carver. First, a cash machine calls Stephen, Stephen King, King an arsehole. arsehole. Yeah, and then, but then after that, just trucks. Not uh, even cars, just trucks. I know they're driving away from a truck that's attacking them in a car. And I feel like if the meteor was, if the meteor really wanted to take over them, these human beings, it could just stop the just their stop car. the car. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's very specific. Um, Logic all goes a bit out the window when you're talking about a comet that turns cars evil. Or trucks. Or trucks specifically. Mm. Um, sometimes the occasional machine gun car. <laughs> what was that? That that was a weird... Um, that was a weird Anyway, car. the rest of the plot is that we're in this truck um, stop in sort of uh, southern America. And uh, the these group of people uh, all end up in this truck stop and they're being sort of held hostage by yeah. these group of trucks. Anytime they try to leave, the trucks kind of go for them. Aye. It's very odd. Yeah. I said to you, it reminded me a lot of the other Stephen King uh, book to film. It reminded me a lot of The Mist. Aye. Like, a bunch of people trapped in a shop while strange things are outside and if they try to leave, they get killed. The only difference being that The Mist has some genuinely interesting 
things to say. That didn't. Aye. <laughs> I just wanted to see people get hurt in various ways. Aye. There was... Well, the mist does that sort of... It's like a mist inherently is like all-encompassing. Like it's yeah. everywhere. As trucks are like... I feel like they could try and... There's some ways they can outmove <laughs> it. I'm sure there must be something they can do. Well, there's... I mean, they find a rocket launcher. Aye. They give that a bash. Oh, they, they try it. It works. And then they stop using it. Yeah. So something that was interesting about this as well was like... Stephen King wrote and directed this. Yes. Is that the only thing he's written and directed? As far as I'm aware. I've never been the biggest Stephen King person. Like, yeah. I know I've been, like, sort of... His impact on cinematic history is, like... Well, like, Stephen King's impact is... Um, this sort of big author is mainly about the fact he seems to do nothing else but write. He so writes books, so... Yeah. It always seems to be a new Stephen King book. I feel like if you write that many books, even if, whether Stephen King's talented or not, you are going to make a good book now and then everywhere. It's yeah. like waking one. It's almost as bad as Woody Allen. They're almost the Woody Allen of the literature world, where he um, is writing them so often. So he's had so many um, films adapted. Mm. Like so, his impact on cinema is kind of up and down ever since the eighties. Like he's had good films, he's had bad films, and you kind of fairly famous which films are the Stephen King ones. You don't really ever get too shocked. Oh, I didn't know that was based on a Stephen yeah. King book, uh, except the Simpsons movie. That's that turns. That's a bit of a twist. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So like his, um, but he's famously not ever. He doesn't tend to be happy with adaptions. Mm. Most famously, the Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Yeah. He was not happy at that at all. Which is interesting because then he took a crack at it. Yeah. He and did, I haven't didn't seen he? that version, but from what I'm led to believe, that version's not great. Well, like Stanley, the thing about Stanley Cooper because he's one of the best filmmakers in the world, and it goes to that sort of adaption, like um, adaption sort of um, process. Is like, should you? Because like, The Shining's a book that Stephen King wrote. It's a story that he came up with, and then one of the greatest filmmakers in history adapts it into this critically acclaimed film. Yeah, but like, does that? But it's not like the book. It's aye, like does that the... make any difference that Stephen King's like himself is like? Well, no, I didn't like it. Yeah. Because it's a just a good film. Yeah. Like, you can't say it's not a good film. No, I agree. So it's almost like, at that point, does it even that's matter? That's just his, can I think that's his, like, just defensive. But it's not what I wrote. It's not yeah. Like, fuck you. Well, Stanley. like, it will be different. It will be because, like, Stanley Kubrick isn't, he isn't there to, to, to boost Stephen King up. He's there mm. to make a, he's found a book he wanted to make a film out of mm. and he wanted to make his film. He didn't, he's not there to make Stephen King's film. I don't know, is there any big famous examples of book authors, uh, any other ones of book authors going, nah, it's not how I'd have done it. Well, Alan Moore, he always writes off. Yeah, he's a, <laughs> he's a big um, one for um, not adaption or he yeah. completely against adaptions. Do you like Watchmen? Uh, it's look i liked it when it first came out i feel like every time since then every time i've watched it since then i've liked it less okay so now i've just don't watch it anymore because i think it's best to just keep yeah the impression of it i have i like watchmen i mean i tell you what i haven't seen it in a while for being what that book is I mean, visually, I guess it's a pretty spot-on adaption. Aye. He gets a lot of that. 
Well, Zack Snyder is a visually good filmmaker. Mm. Like he just he's so like he's um, he's got his own style and he's he like he has that like it's very CGI focused and stuff. It's always Zack Snyder's always seemed to have fallen down when he's also make like writing the story as well. But like Watchmen, it was like well, um, obviously there's so much controversy about adapting it because. Alan Moore didn't want that at all. So you almost, Zack Snyder almost felt the, must have felt the pressure to be like, no, okay, then if we're going to do this, we're going to make it pretty yeah. much a straight adaption. Um, but like, uh, I think as far as, like, so obviously an adaption from the start is kind of a tricky territory to go under. And I thought that um, Watchmen does um, really, really well. Mm-hmm. I, um, I uh, for like a film version of the book, I really liked it. Mm. Um do you prefer the the changed ending? I I always used to prefer it. I always used to prefer like and especially but I feel like the thing is in the film it makes more sense in the context of the film and the comic book's ending makes more sense in the context of the com- of it being a comic book. Mm. Which I guess something to be said like uh, I guess at the end of the day, and that's why I feel because in the film I feel like it works really well. The the more nuclear ending, uh, the oh, the more um, it's it's more in keeping with the rest of the film. But like I don't know enough about comic books to be able to go. But it would have worked in the comic book better <laughs> um, because comic books are obviously such a different medium, and they're they're more influenced by that sort of the fantastical and the cosmic and the, the a giant squid attack in New York is mm. is more in place mm. in a uh, even a serious comic book as it would be a bit more out of place in a serious film. You think the film ending is it's e- it's easier for the the average moviegoer to? I don't think it's about the average moviegoer. I just think in the context of films, it works. Like yeah. films just. Like film, obviously, film can be anything it wants to be, but like in terms of big blockbuster film, so that you're you're talking to a child, <laughs> you can be you whatever, can be whatever you, you want to be. You want to be president, you could be president. <laughs> whatever you'll be, you'll be. I was gonna say that that could, that could be going into copyright territory, but <laughs> we do have an episode where we play <laughs> almost the entire Top Gun soundtrack. <laughs> um. No, I think I feel like uh, just what it what it was in terms of a film. Um, it's easier easier to digest as a yeah. comic. Well, like comic, the, in terms of like crossing over medium, comic always has that thing where like in comic book you in a comic book you choose how to read the dialogue or the speech bubbles and stuff. As where when in a film you then have to pick a tone. That's mm. one of probably the biggest things about comic books. That's probably why they can go in weird. Um, strange dialogue that's more exposition and just explaining what it is i'm about to punch that guy because it's harder in art uh, like stationary art to f- show that that's what he's doing mm-hmm. um whereas in film it's motion so like and the actor has to pick a tone so there's all, all these sort of various things and i don't claim to be a big expert in comics so like it the context yeah. and history is different but in the film, it, I think it works in the film. Um, but we're not talking about. We're not here to talk about Watchmen. We'll save that for another day. Save what? Maybe oh. we'll do Watchmen. It's a long movie. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> then I you like to, have to watch it. Again. I like to keep. That's it, and my view will go. My opinion will go down even more. I don't Aye. know how much lower it can go now. Aye. Before, I'm no longer into it. I tell you what, we'll get a memo of it. Carson, can you um, can you write that down? Carson, don't look at me like that. Write it fucking down. Well, give me that sass. Hi. He knows. Hi, fucking. He knows what he did. Throw something at him. No, that might cause damage. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Given that we're throwing it at nothing. (laughs) Um. So yeah, maximum overdrive. So he 
like I said, I think it's the only one he's adapted. It's the himself. only one he's adapted, which is impressive. He was coked out of his goddamn mind the whole time. Hmm. I'm impressed as at, as to how well it holds together, but at the same time, I'm also also like not Aye. because there was a lot of unnecessary fa. Hmm. There was a lot of scenes that just what were they doing there? What was the point in that? Like. There was a bit where two guys try to walk out at one point, and the guy, the owner of the shop, try, calls them out for stealing something. They're like, "What? We didn't steal anything." And then that scene goes nowhere. It goes absolutely nowhere. <laughs> yeah, because there's quite a few people in that truck shop. Yeah, they don't like. By the point, by the end, they narrow it down to like the characters you follow. But like, even among like the several thousand main characters, mm. there's still a lot of people in the background and they, stuff. He's <laughs> in the first like 25 minutes of that film setting up so many characters I like, so many it, it it felt like uh christmas eve yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i had a christmas the last eve big fucking omni shambles of a uh cast that we watched uh, uh but yeah like when it's when it cut to that there's the two characters in it the, the married couple the recently married couple and it cut to them and you were like fuck are we gonna meet more new characters and i was like no i think this is good, just gonna be one of those we we see these characters get killed to mm. show them shit, but nope, those those were also those were some main characters too. Incidentally, one of them you pointed out voiced by Yard. Uh, no, not voiced was played, played by, by yeah. Yardley Smith, who is the voice of Lisa Simpson. Yeah, who she puts on an awful accent for this. Because if you've ever heard, she was irritating. <coughs> if you've ever heard uh, Yardley Smith in real life, she does. She just sounds like Lisa Simpson. Mm. Like she's just the voice of Lisa. Her voice is Lisa's as well. Do you think Lisa's voice would sound irritating if we weren't so used to hearing it on The Simpsons? If you actually, if you actually, because there's a there's a couple of times where she acts or where she talks in an interview. If you actually watch it, it's really bizarre. Yeah. I think it. I can't tell if it's because Lisa's voice um, is actually like. Apart, you put associate it with a little girl, so when it comes out of an adult, yeah. it sounds strange. Or whether it's because it's Lisa Simpson, like yeah. this, defi- like you have a definitive uh, image of what Lisa Simpson um, is, who mm. she is, down to the pearls on her neck and the dress she wears. Mm. You know exactly who Lisa Simpson is, and then for this other person to have the the balls to just have her voice, mm. it's like so weird to watch. Um, but she doesn't have the voice in this one. I didn't recognize um, her because obviously I don't. No, it's, I didn't know like that. it's hard to recognize someone who you you mostly know for a voice, uh, and then well, she the puts on a voice. Like, this seems like an actress whose career went nowhere. Yeah, and then at the end of the film, you see it's Yardley Smith, and I was like, you said who she was. I was like, what? One of the most successful franchise of all time. Yeah, like she must be making. Do you think this, money? Th- that must have came out just before Simpsons? Yeah, it would be before Simpsons. Well, Simpsons was the late '80s that it started with the weird short cartoons, but like, um, um so you don't have to go quiet. I, was just uh, I think it was set in '87 <laughs> uh, with the weird short cartoons, but like, it didn't properly get fully into like being that popular till the '90s. '86. I I remember doing before Simpsons. '86. Need to remember to take the the disc <laughs> behind the scenes Carson uh, you know what to do yeah Carson get that disc sorted put it, put it back in the DVD box what if we just change his name every time we address him <laughs> sounds like we have a team aye an actual team we'll, we'll think of three specific names and we'll switch between them and then there'll be a yeah, continuity yeah. and they'll be so confused um lead character Hollywood heartthrob 
and a Brat Pack member. Yeah, Emilio Estevez. Yeah, he was bloody yeah. big in the eighties. No, no, I'm, 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 I was agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah. it sounded inquisitive. Yeah, was it was Breakfast Club. Aye, Breakfast Club. Is, uh, that's St. The Elmo's thing that Fire. I think of. Aye, um, this is definitely out of tone from those yeah. movies. <laughs> Every like, it was weird watching people interact with this film. I mean, like the problem, the fundamental problem, because I was like trying to judge acting in this film. Mm. But like the weird thing is the script has this like this apocalypse happens mm. where they're uh, all having a normal about life and and nobody cares <laughs> and uh, and suddenly out of nowhere machines start taking over and they get stuck in this truck shop and then they just sort of are just casually it's like they've been trapped somewhere because of the rain or yeah. something like it feels that sort of they're like oh I guess we're here till it blows over they even said she's like oh she even laughs all we have to do like the monster meteor goes all we have to do is we have that's us we have to just survive six days it'll yeah. be fine uh that was just after the two main characters had sex which in a big post-apocalyptic yeah. disaster well, you've got to have the the, the love interest there's you know, the love interest. Two attractive young people is there many other disaster stuck films? in a truck truck shop uh, is there any other disaster films where they have uh, a casual sex just while all this apocalypse is happening around them? Probably. Happens in The Walking Dead sometimes. Oh, well, The Walking Dead's a more long-term thing. Yeah, but... Like, if it was... Like, this has only just happened. You'd feel like trucks taking over, it'd be panic, and they're, suddenly they're taking you hostage. You're like, what the fuck? Mm. Everything... I question everything um, I've ever known, and also, <laughs> I'm in danger. But hello, I'm feeling horny. Do trucks count... As machines, this is something I was thinking about. It depends because what... it's fuel drip, like yeah, because it's very fine line what you would count them as a machine. Because mm. a, tra- a machine, I would assume it meant electronics, but things like sprinklers were turning on. And I, was like, I don't think a sprinkler is because like a machine. Because like they're not. It's not like because you would think that if they were trying to like power electricity, it would be anything that's connected to a main grid or anything, which mm. trucks aren't. But because, like, if trucks count as machines, wouldn't guns count as machines? Well, guns do. But they also don't. Because they use yeah, guns. Yeah, because they use guns. They use guns what? So against that... a vehicle that has a gun on it. What a weird vehicle that was, by the way. Ah. Let's just... That... Even if that's a real thing in the military <laughs> in the 80s, that's a useless I don't think it was a machine. military vehicle. They just strapped a machine it's gun to a little Deep cart. south. That's deep true. south. That's true, they gotta go out hunting deer. Ah, uh, you're in redneck territory, you're in Trump voter territory. It was just a bizarre, very bizarre setup when it rolled Aye, so the mach- what counts as a machine is so weirdly specific. And even as uh, even something as simple as we said earlier, a truck counts as something they can take over, but a car apparently doesn't. Yeah. Um, no logic, no rules to this crazy world that they've created because it reminded me to go back to the simpsons it reminded me of the uh 2k bug episode of the simpsons mm. uh the treehouse of horror one where the machines all get taken over because uh. of the 2yk bug um which uh, despite the fact it's a third of a simpson episode makes a lot more sense than this whole stephen king film. yeah like, at least in there, every machine is taken... Even his pacemaker is being taken over. Yeah. Stuck to Hummingbird. Well, there is there is an episode of The Simpsons called Maximum Homer Drive. Oh, is there? Is it that one? No. It's the Treehouse of Horror one. Yeah, but they all have names, all the shorts. Oh, maybe it is. Maybe it is, then. 
to Google. No, because that, that always ruins our recording. <laughs> Carson, look it up. <laughs> yeah, Carson, get on it, Carson. <laughs> um, maybe that is it then. I'm trying to think what it was called. Because it was the... What, what was the other... Oh, it's not... It's boring pointless. What the <laughs> other segments were. Um, but yeah, no, they're definitely... They needed to work out the logic of the world more. Uh, and uh, there's no there's no real big picture either. Like, you see Stephen King get called an asshole by an ATM machine. And it, that shouldn't say it like that, because I'm saying automatic transaction machine machine. Yeah. Or oh, alien time machine machine. Alien time machine machine. Um, <laughs> you you see that happen. Yeah. And then everything else just kind of happens in this very very small area. Nobody ever kind of comes rolling past the uh, the truck stop or anything like that. You know what I mean? It's no. just very much these people dealing with the trucks. And then later on in the film, the trucks. Because the trucks the trucks tell them film. Circling them. circling them intimidating them taking them. like I want to take it back one step further. I know where we're going but I want to take it back one step because take like back, uh, there's there's this thing in horror films that like uh, when some bad horror films that I really hate is when um, yeah. ghosts and uh, ghouls and poltergeists they do all these things and they don't really have any sort of motivation they just sort of do it because it scares the audience and mm. stuff like that the motivation of whatever the, the I don't know if this is supposed to be there's the alien force that's controlling the vehicles or the vehicles are being set bought sentient by an alien force. Yeah. But the motivation of these trucks seems really confusing. At first they're just trying to kill everyone. And you're like, okay, I guess the machines want to kill everyone. Although saying that, fuck you asshole, calling Stephen can fuck you asshole seems yeah. off point. They all come back very aggressive, don't they? I like Um they they decide to call you an asshole at first, and then they try to kill people. And then after a while, um, they uh, they after circling, taking these very small group of people hostage, which they even prove later in the film. They're in this truck shop. If they what if these trucks wanted to kill these people, they could just ram into the shop. Yeah. And let's face it, nothing. Very few things in this world stops an eighteen wheeler. <laughs> very few. I know you're one of them, Scott, with your amazing eighteen <laughs> wheeler stopping ability. Yeah, I can just I, the, the 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 truck just wraps around me. If it hits me, I know they're called a. Tr- I know it's called a truck stop, but it couldn't actually stop a truck. <laughs> um, it could just ram into it and kill these people if that's what it wanted. So you have to wonder. Presumably, what they're doing is holding the people hostage, hostage. there until they get a gun, until until the trucks get a hold of some kind of weapon, Aye. so that they can hold the people in the truck stop at gunpoint and force them to fill them all up with petrol. Yes, but like they. F- drive around the circles for hours, hours and hours yeah. like no not even hours days mm. I think at that point it's days yeah I think it's like day three or something burning up fuel which like what they do yeah just sit what still and then turn on when you because presumably you're noticing them coming out like with their eyes with their eyes and their fucking ears that they talk into and <laughs> weird fucking movie why is because <laughs> the trucks have a leader truck yeah. There's the main truck. The Green Goblin. And it has the Green Goblin on the front of it. How did they get the rights to that? What? Why is it the Green Goblin in the first place? Because it's, it's the truck is for a toy shop. Yes. But when I think toys, I don't think... The Green Goblin. The Green Goblin. <laughs> You'd think Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> so much more recognisable. Yeah. But is it just... Be- like you said, there's a good chance the reason it has a face 
is so that the audience can have like a reference point for the fact that he whispers into its ear like he yeah. threatens it by whispering into its ear then one of the main characters comes up to the um, mask at the front of this truck of the green goblin and starts talking into its ear like what are you talking about it's just a bit of plastic like yeah. if the truck's alive it's not alive in the face of the bit of plastic <laughs> in front of it um, it's not like it's it's alive. Its conscience is at the front. Its bladder somewhere down the kind of 17th wheel. <laughs> aye, it's mental. Because, um, like, they, they are clearly able to see... Because they run at these people. Yeah. So they're clearly able to see them somehow. Yeah. And when the people talk at the cars, they can clearly hear them somehow. <laughs> so... But they can't talk back because that would be silly. That would be silly. Aye, that, that's where you yeah. draw the line at these... And also they can't take over cars, because that would just be silly. Just, uh... The logic really does make no sense. And then at the end, they kind of try to imply that... Aliens? Are behind it all? Not just the comet? Aye. But it's done in... Just well, well, the, well, the, what, the, like... The comet... If a comet was just a rock that was rushing through space, right? It wouldn't have any want to try and kill human beings yeah but presumably i assumed it was just some the trail that the comet was leaving behind was fucking with the machine oh it was like making the machine yeah. sentinel yeah so sentient, sentient sorry sentinels what they fight in x-men <laughs> but they are sentient that's true sentient sentinels <laughs> <laughs> not to get philosophical <laughs> sentient sentinels. i like that quite a lot um it makes them self-aware then. Like, yeah. It's, okay. But then at the end, in the text at the end of the movie, it implies that table. some kind of UFO was shot down. Yeah. But then it says it's a Russian, a Russian weather... No, de- but it says it was shot down by a, in quotations, Russian weather balloon. So what's so that? I think what it's trying to say is it's around it like... This is the thing, because you, you're sat with these people at these truck shops for days on end trying to wait for the, the trucks to do something, and then, then the trucks do something, and they have to refuel the trucks. Uh, and you're then told in a one paragraph at the end, there's a much more interesting film happening. Yeah. It's just over there. <laughs> it's over there. Um, like, the implication is that the Russians must have some sort of space defense system yeah. that they call a weather balloon. And uh, they're able to combat the aliens with that. So while this is what's happening, while Independence Day is happening in Russia, like Independence Day, the movie, they're fighting the aliens. They've set Jeff Goldblum up there. Will Smith's punching aliens. And there's some truckers at a truck shop being held hostage by their trucks. Yeah. It's so strangely <laughs> small story for what's yeah, for what's happening. happening. You always think that this would um, make a better film, like a more comical, uh, better film, if it was uh, the apocalypse had happened. Machine, like um, trucks and cars had become self-aware, and then the humans in like a zombie apocalypse were living, with, like yeah, with, like running away from the machines. And it was, um, say, like Mad Max 10 years later and these people were still trying to mm. keep lo- keep a low life while the machines were going around. And then they got stuck in a truck shop and the trucks tried to take them hostage to get them fueled up because they're desperate for fuel. Make a smaller, like this, then a focus of a smaller story would make more sense if this apocalypse had happened for a while. But the fact that these people are not only, not remarkably shocked that trucks not, have come alive. Not, they're all fine with it. Um, but also... There's a space battle happening somewhere. Mm. 
but we don't get to see it. Seems mental. Mental. I want to see the space battle. And it's the fact that you would think, okay, well, if it's going to focus in on certain characters, maybe it's got something really specific that the film wants to focus on. Maybe how people will react hmm. in a world where machines are real. But it's not even that, really, because they're uh. all so blasé towards all things. Except for that one fucking waitress that loses her mind. Aye. And runs out screaming, we made you. <laughs> that That's where Stephen King's cocaine can most be seen. Definitely. I think, one, he, I think he slid her a little bit of that. Uh, that this one waitress who twice in the film runs out the truck shop screaming, we made you, we made you. You don't starts, get to do this, we made you. Aye. Um, yeah, right. Calm down. The, the truck goes. The human her. race as a collective made Hitler. We don't. We don't, <laughs> we don't get mad at him for being yeah. a person. We get mad at him because he's a bad person. That's controversial yeah. opinions. Seventeen forty-nine. Clap. Where do we go from here, Danny? Um, we're, we have technically been talking for almost 40 minutes now we're allowed in mind cool oh, there's that do you have anything to say about the way the film shot because remember this is an author uh, taking on a visual medium mm. so that's interesting it's not particularly exciting is it no it's not there is one shot that's pretty good yeah has a story behind it which is the ice cream truck when it flips over. Yes, and there's a ice cream sh- um, truck, which is briefly brought up in the beginning, and then it comes back at the end. Yeah, it comes back to... to... To try and kill them as they try and escape on some boats. So that ice cream truck gets played pretty close to the camera. That's because it hit the camera. Fuck. Yeah, and they managed to pull the cameraman away just in time, and the truck <laughs> slammed in the camera, apparently. That's it. That was what I was reading online while we were watching the movie. Wow. <laughs> pretty pretty intense. Do you think it was Stephen King's cocaine that made the camera go there? It was like, <laughs> put the camera there. And the cameraman was like, um, are you he sure? He slid the ice cream truck some cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, uh, just put the camera there. Are you sure, Mr. King? Sure? Seems that, that, that sounds very close. Are you yeah. sure? No, 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 it'll be fine. It'll absolutely be fine. It'll be absolutely fine. I don't remember writing Cujo. What's a Cujo? <laughs> I've got this great idea for a book about a killer dog. You already wrote that stat. Did I? <laughs> Um, that's mental. Yeah, yeah I could have killed. Like, what a pathetic way to die. Yeah, hit what, by an, hit ice, by an cream ice cream truck on a Stephen. There was King another film. guy who tried to sue Stephen King apparently because something went wrong. That sounds interesting. On this it? film, you talk about the way it's shot, and I'll Google. I uh, like um, extremely realistic stunts aside. I find that it's just very. It's competently. Filmed, but nothing remarkable. Competently, is kind of just yeah. Uh, Stephen Stephen King's almost like he's very almost um, Kevin Smith in that way because Kevin Smith's kind of a director. More, um, he's less so now, but he's always uh, especially his early films. He was always more of a writer than a director. Um, is just like basic shots to to get the dialogue across. Stephen King always feels the same. He's clearly got someone who's a filmmaker backing him up, but not. He's not Stephen King's not going out of his way to make it like. Um, the like the filmmaking yeah because I wonder if that's maybe again I haven't seen his version of The Shining but I wonder if that's maybe a problem with it is that mm. there's no style to it that it's more he's more about adapting the book rather than having any kind of cinematic Aye. style to it um okay 
Here we go. So a second incident leading to a serious in injury. Uh, a radio-controlled lawnmower used in a scene went out of control and struck a block of wood used as a camera support, shooting out wood splinters, which injured the director of photography, Armando Nanuzzi. I've butchered that. As a result of the incident, he lost an eye and sued Stephen King and Fuck. 17 others. Uh, on February 18th, 1987, for $18 million in damages. Well, unsafe work practice says the suit was settled out of court. That's mental because what I'm just talking about there is a, a filmmaker that probably backed Stephen King up as he directed this. I'd imagine that's the director of photography that would do that. Yeah. <laughs> that would be his role going, Stephen King, this is how a film works. He was blinded in one eye yeah. by this fucking film. For maximum overdrive. <laughs> a film that's pretty pitch. Because if you were like, you were in the 80s and um, you were on the set of Back to the Future or Ghostbusters and you got half blinded or even uh, like anything like that, you'd be like, oh, well, it was, at least it was for, for, for a my film. art. Aye, yeah. for my art. And maximum overdrive, you're like, fuck off, yeah. not worth it. So like, ah, that's amazing. I mean, not so amazing for him. Aye, uh, it's a it's mental story. I wonder if they. Uh, I wonder uh, if he's still the director of cinematography. On anything. on anything, if he's got any recent career. Yeah. I don't think him and Stephen King will see eye to eye anymore. Yeah. That's a bad joke. <laughs> Took me a second, but I got there. I got... <laughs> Nonsense. Uh, yeah, apart from that, it's just competently like visually. Um, the I will admit the the main truck. He's it's visually striking, a big green mask. It's one of those the things. Truck. <laughs> I, it's one of those things. Once you see it, you you'll never forget it. That's there, gonna be always the most memorable thing about this yeah. film is the green goblin truck. The this the trucks and stuff are are quite impressive. You know the fact that, that they are all very intimidating because they're trucks hmm. you know you don't you're driving about you you can get angry at other drivers on the road but you don't get angry at the truck driver no he's scary he i mean he's not you. gonna run you off the road but he could there's always he, the implication there's always the implication that he could run you off the road if he wanted to <laughs> that's pretty intense so this movie when you've got like seven trucks all coming at you at one time it's pretty intimidating Aye. i mean I feel like uh, Spielberg's duel handles it a bit. <laughs> Sorry. Whoa. Handles it a bit better. Carson, can you check the audio levels Carson, on that? I think that might have peaked. Carson, just write that one down. Has it peaked, Carson? At least I'll know that's an edit point because <laughs> there'll be like a huge spike in the in the audio there. Uh, excuse me. Um, but yeah, it is... Um, Steven Spielberg. The the trucks, yeah. the trucks they, are quite in, they are quite intimidating. Aye. It's quite... I think the fact that there's nobody in them as well makes them equally scary as well. I guess the point is that because they're, they're stuck in this truck shop, then you can't really use the trucks very often. It's very it has to be very mm. minimal you use them. Um, maybe if it was maybe if they if it was trucks, maybe if it was a road movie, they were trying to keep ahead of them. Um, yeah, or something like that. What if like they were trying to keep ahead of them, but had to stop for supplies every so often because they needed supplies? Yeah, and it was trying to get away, keep ahead of the trucks. Hmm. Which would have because like the trucks would have been like because obviously trucks are slower than cars, so like it would have been this almost like um, in uh, indestructible force coming at a slow pace, and they've just got to keep away from it. Hmm. That'd have been a more interesting way to use that premise. They also seem to deal with the trucks quite easily. When they do tackle the trucks, Aye. they they always come out victorious. Well, like they the the owner of the truck shop has a 
gun cupboard. Which is mental. It's got a rocket launcher they never reload. It just always has a rocket. They have a rocket launcher and then they start shooting some of the trucks and they hit the trucks and they destroy the trucks. They're like, yeah! And then they stop using it so you go, oh, they must have run out of ammo. And then later on they use it with some more ammo and you're like, oh, so they do have more missiles. Yeah. You're like, well, how many do you have? Like, how many... Like, you have a big guns thing there. Is it like six? You could take out most of the trucks, what are you talking about? Yeah. Why not just use it? They must use it about five times. I feel like even if the trucks charged right at them, you could just come up, in, out, in, out of the truck shop, in the truck <laughs> shop, just keep coming out. Just like, like it, when sometimes when you find a glitch in a video game or a boss battle, you're like, oh, they can't yeah, attack yeah, me here. Yeah, come out. Here. I'll come out, run, run, attack. Oh my God, no, yeah. no way. Get back in the, in the hole. Yeah, so as intimidating as they are, they always deal with them pretty... Aye. Pretty quickly. Trucks in it. Aye, trucks. Just shoot it with a rocket launcher. That's the best way to do it. Um, they made the vending machine quite intimidating. That very well stocked vending machine. Yeah. Like vend- they could take over cans. a vending machine. Yeah, they took it, which makes more sense than a truck. I think. Aye. Well, if it's like electrically, like if it's electrically powered to like a grid, that makes more sense. Yeah, you got to plug a vending machine in. Aye. It's not that boy's not battery powered. He's not running on fuel. Aye. Yeah, so that it makes more sense. There, what there is a scene. There's a moment where the kid, the kid's bike. Yeah. Buckle, and I was like, it's. You're trying to get bikes. Is the bike run? Is the bike in cahoots now? Or what's? Or is that just a coincidence that he happened to fall off his bike? Maybe. Right as the fucking because I thought steamroller was. Take, was I thought it was taking over the bike. Yeah, I thought so. And I was like, the bike is that a machine? What what wouldn't be if a bike counts as a machine? What wouldn't be a machine? My machines. I was like, oh, I was unfolding this t-shirt. Oh my god, it's coming! <laughs> t-shirt just comes at you like a fucking face hugger. <laughs> Hi. Um. Yeah. What a strange. Aye, it was strange a strange piece film. of cinema. It's hard to take anything seriously in Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> because even the scene where a small child is riding his bike through a town which has been it's his familiar neighbourhood all the people around. he knows all the people he knows and grown up around uh, if he did have paper round he'd be delivering papers to all these people all these people some dead. sort of emotional connection there'll be people he oh, oh I, I accidentally threw a ball through his window I, I feel really bad about that sometimes and oh I really like his dog or oh his uh, she, her, her husband died the uh, a few years ago and now she's widowed <laughs> and now she's all, dead too uh, uh, all these emotional connections that she uh, this child has uh, connected with over living in a neighbourhood for in a yep. community yep. for so long and he's he's now he's he's walking through it and uh, he's uh, he's seeing all of these dead bodies and it's all the people he knows the faces he recognises the ones he sees on his walk to school every single weekday uh, they're all dead, brutally, bloodily taken down by some unknown force he's unsure about. He's unsure what's happening. Now, here. imagine that's you. Yeah. Imagine the emotional impact. I. Who would you get to score that? Score? ACDC. ACDC! <laughs> it's mental! <laughs> it's great! It's such a... It, they are a good choice for the majority of the film, but when it hits stuff like that, and TNT's playing in the background, it's so fucking bizarre. It is mental. It is impossible to take anything seriously in the movie because the music tonally never really matches what's going on because it's always just ACDC songs so surreal so fucking bizarre like I said good choice for the action stuff Hmm. don't get ACDC to score your whole movie when it's got emotional things like children seeing dead bodies aye just don't do it it could have had so much more impact yeah if almost any other music was used but instead it's like 
We got a rock and roll. What do they sing again? I don't know. They they're always just shouting about rocking and rolling and doing drugs, aren't they? No wonder Stephen King connected to them so fucking much. Um, but yeah, just a really surreal choice. Not surreal, just just a bit of variety. I think like ACDC are too too specific a band. Aye. I think to do a soundtrack because they can't pull off the more emotional Aye. moments. They've got they've got one vibe. And it's a cool vibe. It's a cool vibe. It's rock and roll. It's rock and roll. When you're fighting trucks, when you're blowing up trucks yeah. with rocket launchers, with self-reloading rocket launchers, that's or, a fun time. Or if you're Iron Man. Chuck on for those about to rock. If you're Iron Man. If you're Iron Man. It suits you well. But at least Iron Man has like a separate score <laughs> for the less ACDC parts. Uh, when he's going through his neighborhood of dead people he's yeah. familiar with. They've he's, got he's maybe got... like Danny Elfman. <laughs> Or someone else. Well-known Marvel <laughs> Danny Elfman. Um, just odd, and I just wanted to point out, it was very hard to take anything seriously with that music playing in the background. Um, also, another fact, Stephen King wanted Bruce Springsteen to be the lead character in this movie. Really? I'm pretty sure that's a fact I read. Really? Mental, isn't it? Why would you think that? I don't know if Bruce Springsteen's a good actor. I've never seen him act. Except for that one little scene in uh, High Fidelity. But I don't think he'd be good. It sounds like Stephen King was writing this film on cocaine, listening to a mixtape of 80s rock. Yeah. And was like, (gasps) all of this. All of this, please. Overdrive, uh, Bruce Springsteen. Let's just make sure I'm... Let's make sure I'm 100% right on this one. Uh... Filler, filler, filler noise. Um, Stephen King is a man who knows what he wants, and for the lead role of Bill Robinson, he wanted Bruce Springsteen. There was just one problem. Dino De Laurentiis, the film's executive producer, did not know who the boss was. And he's quoted as saying, Stephen King wanted an unknown actor at the time. Bruce Willis. No, Bruce Springsteen. Damn it. Um, That's very bizarre. Uh, it's actually there's a, an, another little known fact about um, I'm sure you've heard of like the Napoleon film Stanley Kubrick was right. going to do um, his choice for Napoleon was uh, Bruce Springsteen as well <laughs> noticeably tight <laughs> Bruce Springsteen yeah uh, yeah um, because uh, because that's that's how great filmmakers like Stanley Kubrick and Stephen King the SKs of the world. Yeah. Think. But how rock and roll... Do you think the film would be any different if Bruce Springsteen was... I feel like people would watch would, it. I would feel he... like people would hunt it down more, like would seek it out more because it's uh, the film Bruce Springsteen's in where he Bruce, fights Bruce sentient in. trucks. I think... I didn't... Because has he ever acted? I don't know. But like, because when I hear his music, I think more he'd be more of an everyman. Yeah. Like rather than because his they, he did the soundtrack for the wrestler yes and that works really well that's more his speed I think. but like if he was to play a character in it I feel like it'd be more of a John McCain sort of thing and like just an everyman because like the guy who does play it is kind of he's not unlike an everyman but he's he's a bit more he's a he's like a misunderstood youth in a way he's like he's on parole he's uh, uh he's just trying to he's just trying to make a life man and the yeah. man's getting him down yeah as whereas um Bruce uh, Springsteen would more be like 
I just feel like he'd be more, he'd be more like a trucker. Yeah. Like just a guy who's just doing his job. He'd be good and, in the film. Ah, sure. Not the main character. Not the main but character. But then Emilio Estevez wasn't very good as the main character, so what do we know? <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot. So we we could also speaking of Stephen King. Okay, top head, what's your favourite Stephen King adaption film? Shining. Shawshank? Yeah. I was thinking Shawshank. Shining. I think Shawshank would be mine. I'm gonna go. I Shining. like the Shining, but I think it would be the Shawshank Redemption. Shining's more my wheelhouse. Although the Shawshank Redemption's only based on a short story, and a lot of it's like, yeah. just is is Frank Darabont's doing. Yeah. Um, I like The Mist a lot as well, though. The Mist's good. I'm a big fan of that. Have you seen the black and white version of that? No, I it's haven't. Pretty fucking baller, mate. The Mist is Frank Darabont as well, though. Yeah. Frank. Darab- yeah, he loves a bit of Stephen King. Didn't he also did The Green Mile. Yep, it's a good film. Frank Darabont did The Green Mile. Yeah. I knew that. <laughs> I did know that. I just <laughs> I don't it's, know it's why. mental. Frank Darabont did Shawshank Redemption and Green Mile, so Stephen King prison films is a genre. Oh, the way, Frank yeah. Darabont is a, a. I like how there's a subgenre of Stephen King books, prison prison dra- dramas, prison films. Aye. This Maximum Overdrive was based off a short story he wrote. Is it? Is it just called Trucks? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm certain it was called Trucks. Um, <laughs> Did you see the Dark Tower trailer? You're yeah, yeah. you're a Dark Tower boy. You're excited. I, I'm excited for it. Um, I was excited for it a lot more than when I saw the trailer. Yeah, that trailer's not a. Uh, it's not a good one, is it? No, it's. Uh, yep, the sh- sorry, the short story was called Trucks. No, oh, good. It was indeed called Truck. Trucks. I'm gonna write this fucking book. It's gonna be about. I'm gonna write a book about uh, trucks. It's gonna be about trucks. <laughs> It's going to be so good. <laughs> uh, Carson, can you take the cocaine out of Scott's hands, please? I just, I, it's got a tight grip. His hands so gone red. I have a little sip of the cocaine. The little sip. The little, <laughs> little, little, little taster. Little, little, little taster. palate cleanser. Little palate cleanser. <laughs> you got to wait. The way to take cocaine is you got to take a real deep inhale of it. Aye. Really open your taste buds and then just whew, knock it back. Right Aye. in the Right in the Or suppositories. What do you think of the dark temperature? <laughs> <laughs> always gets weird <laughs> always gets weird especially, especially when I'm on all these painkillers um, um, like it's it like has moments it's bizarre it feels very generic and I know that the dark tower isn't generic but yeah. like it's managed to take something that's this weird bizarre fantasy series that has so many strange elements to it and make it feel fairly straightforward. Yeah. Uh, but like, I don't know. I, I'm looking. For, I'm still looking forward to the film because I want to see what they've done. Um, I want to see what what it like what the adaptation is because I know they're not going for a straightforward adaptation. They're kind mm-hmm. of um, telling the story of the Dark Tower series, but like not necessarily in the uh, order of the books, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, is the kid in the book? Yes. Okay. And he's in the first book. That stuck out to me. I because I've not read the book, but I was like, oh, this is not what I thought this was at all. Because they, they yeah, because there's a there's in the books there's um, multiple like dimensions, but the main two are the one that <clears throat> the men, the dimension that uh, Roland the gunslinger comes from, which is the world that passed. I remember. I think the 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 book has such a great mythical. Um, like vibe to it, and one some of the um, sort of like one of some of the descriptions are like the world that passed. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. And like such a great 
grandness to some of the way mm-hmm. uh, the gunsling speaks. And uh, the world that passed is this is uh, he's the last of the gunslingers there, and it's like a deserted place, and it's this mm, suggested almost like a just this destroyed world. And there's New York in present day, um, which of for the Dark Tower is about eighties, I think. I think it was the eighties mm-hmm. in the Dark Tower. Of course, it was the. 80s. Uh, I think it was. I think I feel like they're just gonna take it to the modern day in this one, just keep yeah, it contemporary. Make it s- make, makes sense. Uh, there was nothing definitively eighties about where the character of Jake um, was supposed to have come from, the boy. And uh, they were they were all connected and stuff, and it was all connected by the Dark Tower itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's got all this um, uh, interlocking, and there's, there's, um, the stories they t- um, tell of it can be really, really interesting in the series. But um, it just feels generic. I think of, like some of the action feels generic, and it's kind of, they've made... Like, he's a gunslinger. He's the gunslinger. He's from a society um, known as the gunslingers, which are like knights, um, mm. but they're cowboys. The the gunslinger, Stephen King self-confesses, is based off of Clint Eastwood. So it's pretty straight yeah, up okay. the most definitive gunslinger you could ever yeah. think of. Uh, so he was always good at shooting. Um, but like, in this they make it almost to a mythical level and it almost mm, I don't know if it quite really suits it yeah uh, it looks a bit weird and bizarre maybe like if if the rest of the film was to follow the bizarre stories of it maybe that would work mm. but it was never quite I never get got the sense like he does almost have a supernatural sense about him when he's like uh, an awareness but you almost felt like it was just heightened senses not necessarily the ability to make bullets yeah. go into the gun in midair, um, but I'm still looking forward to it. I'm still want like I'm rooting for it. My problem is is this this film that only cult fans are going to be what uh, are going to go see at the moment is not got a lot of marketing. It's yeah. got the trailer finally. When's it out? It's August, I think. Damn, that's close. Hey, it's close for um the the trailers only just been released. Only yeah. one trailer's been released. Saying that Wonder Woman was like that, but then Wonder Woman's already a pro- property that was yeah, um, everybody to, knew uh, about it anyway. Not as many people are going to go see the Dark Tower, and I don't know. Like I was just like, I don't know how much the budget is. I presume for the fantasy scope of the Dark Tower, it'd have to be a fair budget. And if they're not going to market it, then it's just going to bomb. Yeah. And I don't think you get a second chance at adapting the Dark Tower. It's too bizarre, and. I just I don't I think it's strange. It feels disheartening that they might just destroy it mm. without marketing, uh, without fully trying. Because mm. I just don't think there's any. There would be no sense, no business sense in a, like if this bombed to go for it again. Yeah, it's not like say Superman, which you could adapt as many times as you'd like because it's all like it's such yeah, it's an endearing cultural yeah. relevant mm-hmm. as the Dark Tower. I don't think will. Um, it's as the other part of the Dark Tower is it's all very connected to the rest of Stephen King's stuff. Uh, it's almost like the backbone of Stephen King's um, uh, bookography. What would you call that? Sure, go for that. Uh, <laughs> like the like the backbone. Like a lot of his stuff. Like it's all um, all of his other books tend to be set somewhere in the Dark yeah. Tower universe. So and it hints at that at the trailer, I believe. I don't remember. Uh, I watched the trailer once and was like, mm. hmm. 
Uh, I think I'll wait and see what people think of it. <laughs> I feel like it might be worth doing a second opinion on it. Maybe. 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 We'll, we'll see it first and then we'll see what uh, happens. We've but already like, done a king, so... We uh, two do, kings. do a Stephen King. And then we'll watch Three Kings. <laughs> the David O. Russell movie. Aye. I'm familiar. Yeah, it's a good movie. Aye. Not like this. Um, no, this is bad. The Dark Tower, I'd be interested to see how it turns out. Because it's yeah. like, Stephen King has done pretty much everything. Like, he even said their prison genre is, is a Stephen King genre. He does these horrors. And this mm-hmm. is his first, this would be his, like, a film based on his a fantasy novel he did. Yeah. It'd be re- really co- um, cool to see if that, uh, how that turns out. But, like, the trailer just doesn't look great. It's, it's such a small marketing campaign that isn't even a great marketing campaign. For a film that, yeah, I think already it's almost coming. It's going to be quite alienating to certain people who aren't into that. Aye, kind of weird high fantasy. It's not high fantasy, but high sci-fi. It is kind of high fantasy, high sci-fi, high fantasy. It's got high mythology. Um, they because like even as a person who read the book, the thing that got me most is like the um, he he comes from the society, the gunslingers, and there's this weird um, it's all based on like uh, the uh, honor of uh, honor in your father. And there's the speech Idris Elba does at the end, and it's um, it's a, if you read the books, it's such an iconic speech, and it's so fucking cool to hear Idris Elba of all people say, yeah. uh, "You do not, uh, was it? You do not aim with your eye. The he who aims with his eye has forgotten the face of his father. You aim with your heart." And it's like hearing Idris Elba say it, you're like, "Oh, fucking hell, that's so cool!" This all there's like old gunslinger oath from the whole thing that's hugely part of it. Um, but that's the only bit that, as a fan, gets you really excited. Yeah. That was a big rant about that. Uh, cool. So that's like Max Overdrive, and then talked about Stephen King and all that good stuff. Yeah. Fun. Aye. Uh, we, got, we got the minutes for this meeting. Well, Carson does. Carson's got the minutes. minutes. He's, He's got, got it all minutes. written down what we need. Carson, you make email that to me. Aye. And to me too, Carson. No, my email is in the, just the to record. Me, not him, Carson. It's in the record. Look, you can see it's in a piece of Carson, paper. Carson, if you're listening, you. don't send it to him. Just send it to me. No, just send it. Come on, Carson. Don't be a dick. Carson, don't send it to Carson, <laughs> just mumble like. In... What would Emily think? Come on, man. Oh, don't bring Emily in. Ah, right, well, Come you on. know what? You know there's I'll a history there. I'll bring Emily there. into this. <laughs> um, rock on. Tune in next time where maybe we'll do The Dark Tower. Yes. <laughs> 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 For a film that's out in a couple of Yeah, months. who knows? Next time, that'll be the next one we do. Um... Um, yeah, I think we can call that one. We yeah, can put that one. In uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter uh, at Second Opinion Pod. That's second with a two. Yep. Yeah. And uh, if you're listening to this, you probably already got us on iTunes. So good job. Yeah. Well done. Uh, we don't have any new YouTube videos or anything. None to promote. No. No. Shite, isn't it? Uh, we're both we're both busy at this moment. We're just busy boys. Uh, I'm dealing. We're with both back moving. Uh, we're both moving flats. So yeah, we're trying. Um, but we we stay consistent. We thought, We've I've, still done it. I we I, I went away on holiday and we still managed. Aye, to put two an holidays. Out. You've been two, away on two holidays. Yeah, don't pick it up, right? It was <laughs> two holidays in the space of a week. Aye, we still. Like, I thought we were going to miss this deadline, but no. We, no, we, we made it work. We Carson helped. Work. Thanks, Carson. Car, he thanks, put Carson. this together. He's the aye. magic. He's aye. the real. Uh, rock on. Cool. Until next time. Yeah. Cue the music. Do, do, and eat your M and M's. Eat your J K M. Eat your J K Simmons. See you later, everybody. Do, 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 do.